Welcome back to another episode of the Diplomatic Podcast Series. My name is Mustafa Al-Awaidi and in this episode we're going to be talking about food. But more specifically, we're going to try and explore how food plays a part in shaping our identity and to a larger extent our perception of others. We're joined by two special guests from two different parts of the world who both share their personal and professional journeys with food and how it's affected their life and others. Sarah's story began way before she started documenting her passion for food out in LA, California, and more specifically, her journey through cooking food. Her brainchild blog, addalittlelemon.com, is a deep and detailed mouth-watering journey of her culinary explorations. But the impact it had on her life was greater than she had imagined. So, here's Sarah with her story. So, um, when I started the blog back in 2009, I didn't know what I was doing. I was working a lot at the time and maybe feeling like I was losing touch with myself. I just needed a creative outlet that kept me accountable in some way to be a witness to my own life. And since I wanted to cook more specifically, I felt I could do those things in telling stories through food. The storytelling wasn't intentional at first. The intention was learning to cook, actually. And what I realized is that all along, it was a place for me to tell stories. True stories, real stories, stories of my life through food. I actually really learned to cook and appreciate cooking through the blog and truly appreciate my roots. And now it's such an integral part of who I am. And over time, the blog changed shape. It really revealed something about myself this propensity for hiding, hiding who I was, hiding behind who I thought it should be. So my blog started to really become a way of showing up for myself. It helped me validate my experiences in some ways, many ways, particularly as a first-generation Iraqi American, which I spent much of my life confused about and also afraid to share with others. And now through this blog, through allowing myself to go through the messy and never ending process of identity, my blog has become focused on telling the stories, the narratives of my experience as an Iraqi American woman living in Los Angeles. I've been really focused um, on Iraqi recipes and foods lately, connecting to my roots, but I'm also very American very Angelino. So I think my blog really reflects that. And I think in a way that that combination is a powerful bridge. Um, I'm always, I'm always quite surprised that considering our militaristic relationship to Iraq, we haven't as a society become more interested in Iraqi culture, you know, specifically the food, considering how delicious and truly unique it is. Um, that we haven't even as a country here in the U.S. explored the region as anything else. You'd think that more people would have been curious. And it's, it's kind of nuts to think that my blog, this little project 
is one of the few of its kind, one of the few um, Iraqi food blogs floating around in English. And I've met so many wonderful diasporic Iraqis through my blog, whereas I used to be almost entirely alienated. So now I hope my blog with its stories and recipes can humanize Iraqis, show us as more than a people to fear or pity or exotify because food is at the core of everyone's life. And it really has this wonderful capacity to bring people together. Find out more about Sarah and her cooking on addalittlelemon.com or Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at a little lemon. Um, I just remembered that you asked for staples in my kitchen. Um, so big surprise. I always have lemon in my kitchen and I really love like fancy, expensive, extra virgin olive oils. I am pretty obsessed with apple cider vinegar. Just like I add it to a lot of things. Um, I always have a jar of Malden salt. Zatar is a must and Oh, so mug too. And I always have Lebanon in my fridge. So that's that. So from one person's journey to another, only this time our next guest decided to take his cooking to the streets of London. Philip Jum'ah began Jum'ah Kitchen after he noticed a huge gap in the food industry. And much like Sarah, he too noticed that food can be a powerful tool for changing perception and to also build cultural bridges. The main topic we're going to be discussing is the influence food has on people's perceptions on a particular country or origin of that food. Now, London is just a fantastic example to kind of, to sh- let's say, to show this. Over the last five years, we've seen like an unbelievable kind of, let's say, explosion in street food. And um, we're not just talking hot dogs and burgers. We, we, we're talking a, a real eclectic um, range of cuisines being welcomed and being eaten by all Londoners, whether it be... Ethiopian food, whether it be Iranian food, whether it be a particular city in Italy that specialise in a particular pasta, whatever it may be, you know, London has been a real kind of trailblazer, should we say, for for let's say allowing this 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 wonderful kind of range of of cultures to be brought to 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 the to the main hub of London, and it's not only reshaping people's perceptions of. The, the country or the origin it's actually reshaping the whole restaurant scene in london if we look at asia you know people would go out for a thai meal over a vietnamese meal five years ago and 
that may be due to the fact that a lot more people were traveling in Thailand and people obviously speaking about that to friends family and then automatically you know people start talking more about amazing like pad thai noodle or what have you fashions changing as well of of vietnam becoming a more popular tourist destination over thailand that in turn then allows you know more people to talk about vietnam as a country and you know let's say prior to this five-year period maybe people's perception of vietnam was was thinking about the war or a country let's say that that isn't let's say maybe as beautiful as thailand i personally have been to vietnam it it was so stunning and you know i've I've come back and i can't stop going on about the dishes that i've eaten and the the, the how wonderful the people were and 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 yeah like you know that is just a classic example of of a perception shift you know it's not until you either try the food or visit the country on the back of trying the food or vice versa, going to the country, then coming back and just wanting to eat Vietnamese food 24-7. You know, th- this is how powerful food is. And that is just one of many examples, particularly, you know, in London, where we have seen a, a big, you know, perception um, shift, should we say, through through the introduction of, of food to um, to the people of London. They say the best way to win hearts and minds is through the stomach. This is what culinary diplomacy or gastro diplomacy is built on. It is an extremely accessible tool or method for us that allows us to build better relationships simply through sharing and trying new foods. Understanding where foods we consume come from allows us to bring to life the people behind it, as well as their culture and stories. My dad's Iraqi and my mum is uh, English with some Irish, Irish in there as well. Throughout my upbringing, Iraqi food was very much a big part of my life. Loved it. And um, every meal that we had, whether it be dolma, whether it be kubba, whether it be biryani, you know, I just remember my dad, my aunties being in the kitchen for long periods of time. And when I was younger, I didn't appreciate it as much. I kind of scoffed it down and then went went to play football, like, you know. So that that was there. That was there from, from a young age. Juma Kitchen was founded and, and I started it in 2012 but the journey happened many years before that during my time in finance I was very very um distracted shall we say in in the food scene that was going on in London I mentioned before about the street food and I was a very very active member within that movement working for for other food vendors um and really like absorbing this this movement and this this craze that was like going through London um, at that at that moment, I was so so happy to be to be part of it. And um, names include um, Wild Game Co. We were selling like fantastic um, venison from from Scotland, the Highlands, and they were doing um, some unbelievable venison burgers. Which coincidentally, if we look five years on, five years ago I was working with them. Five years on, they recently won Burger of the Year in London. So congrats to them. Um, Vingiote, which is a Seychelles-inspired um, street food stall. Um, octopus curry, some amazing kind of spices and, and just, you know, it's not every day you go to a street food stall and try octopus curry. And French and Grace, they were like Middle Eastern, modern Middle Eastern, really fantastic chefs behind that. And that's just to name a few of the kind of people that I was working for. And while, you know, you're in these street food stalls, you get talking to a lot of people and 
to the left of you we, we had like jerk chicken from from fantastic jamaican kind of street food vendor and uh across the way there was big apple hot dogs and to the left of you there was someone specializing in omelets and then to the diagonally right there was like a korean burger uh but uh buttermilk chicken so you know there, there was a hell of a lot going on in uh in, in in just to paint that picture but all the while i was working for other people you know and I was seeing like Londoners just so hungry and so ready for that amazing hot dog or that amazing bit of jerk chicken or that amazing curry. You know, I was just thinking, God, like, I wonder how Iraqi food would do here. I wonder how well Dad's Dolma would do or the Kubba. And that's when it got me thinking and very present to, you know, I really need to be the one to do this. You know, a little bit of research. I didn't need much, but a little bit of research showed me that no one was out there doing Iraqi food. There was one or two Middle Eastern doing falafel, but I think I think we've all we've all seen that and and, and and eaten it. And you know, nothing against falafel. It's amazing. I love it. But I wanted to come with something new. And um, I guess yeah, 2012 was the start. Um, coincidentally, I didn't go down the street food route. Instead, I actually took it to um, the pop-ups. Pop-ups in London is where where you take over a restaurant and you make it yours for for an evening or a week or a month. And in my case, I um, took over a local cafe. Um, comfortably, you know, you can fit 30 people into it, but we managed to fit 45 people in and, um, the atmosphere was electric. And yeah, I just, I just, I just produced a five course Iraqi menu for, for the diners. And, um, yeah, I never forget that. It was, you know, it, I was hooked from that day forth. I was hooked and it was, it was really something that I just felt. I, yeah, I had to do. This was, this was food in my life from a very early age, very young age, and no one, no one was, no, no, no one in London really knew about this food. So I just thought it was a no-brainer for me. Like, really risky, you know, coming out of finance to take on this. Obviously, my mum and dad thought I was crazy, but, you know, look where we are now. You know, there's a brand that's been built and a movement in Iraqi cuisine in London. So, um, I couldn't be happier and I'm proud of, of what me and the team have, have done over these last four or five years. Diplomatic. What initiatives like Juma Kitchen and Adel Ulumin do for their audience is also allow them to take a slice of a people's culture home with them, to make a genuine human emotional connection with people while meeting our basic human need to satisfy hunger. That is intensely deep and profound when you think about it. Now, how does the idea impact our everyday consumption, our grocery shopping, um, our perception of those who produce the food, the culture? Do we know who they are? Philip is taking this message to the mainstream media. And here's how. Let's say of Juma has has gone global recently. One of London's biggest newspapers, the London Evening Standard, gave me an opportunity to write a fortnightly food column on all things Iraqi. So without hesitation, I, I took them up on their offer, and um, I've been writing now for the last last few months now. So there's at least eight nine recipes up, up on the Evening Standard website. It's been fantastic, you know, to receive emails, first and foremost, congratulating me from from Iraqis from around the world, telling me how pleased and how proud they are of what I'm doing with the cuisine and 
it's just amazing an amazing feeling for me really uh really like makes i guess me proud to to push iraqi cuisine to not only the people of london but the fact that it's reaching on like out to new zealand and to jordan and to the us and to canada you know it's it's just fantastic that, that that it's getting very well received and not not just by iraqis you know the other day i had a english gentleman emailing me i did a potato chap recipe on the evening standard and he emailed me just saying you know i'm have you got a vegetarian option i mentioned mushrooms instead of lamb and um he emailed me his pictures and the techniques that he used and how pleased he was with the finished dish and thanking me for the recipe and wow it's just a beautiful feeling that you know people in their kitchens are trying the recipes are doing you know these these classic and and beautiful tasting dishes and um so that that's that's been overwhelming to some degree that that you know my my reach is, is going to that level and um i guess yeah like people people who are attending the supper clubs the the, the stereotype of iraq is indirectly being being reinvented in some respects you know people don't really when i do speak oh you're an iraqi chef you know they straight away they're like well, what is that or what, what kind of food do you eat and you know i mentioned about the rice dishes the lamb maskouf uh, etc and i guess people people are still kind of like you know not really aware of what what what, what our cuisine is and it's not until they come and try the food and they they i can see it in their eyes they really get it they're like you know they and i can see they're eating something very unique like that they haven't tried before and i just love that i love i love giving people that kind of <laughs> that taste of kubba kubbahamath for the first time it really it really makes me happy and and for any iraqis out there who who are probably let's say smiling as i say this but you know I remember before Juma Kitchen started, and I used to bring into work the leftover dolma or some some klecha, and the, the, the boys, everyone used to go crazy for it. And you know, it's just it's just it's just lovely to see. And um, I'm not I'm not stopping. 2016 is going to be even bigger, and um, I'm going to work even harder. And yeah, just watch watch this space and. You'll see the whole journey on the website jumakitchen.com and all the all the Instagram and Twitter at jumakitchen, and you'll 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 be able to keep keep abreast of my movements and and see where where I take Iraqi cuisine. Dip, 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 diplomatic. Mm, so. If that's making you feel a little bit hungry, you can find the recipes of all those dishes that Philip mentioned. Uh, again, on his website, Philip philipjumakitchen.com. Uh, and on uh, social media as well. So Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Juma Kitchen. Uh, before we go, I want you to remember something. as a little exercise. Next time you're in the supermarket or grocery store, try to find out the country of origin for as many of the foods you're buying. And try to match that with your knowledge of its people, your interactions with them, or the times you've heard, read about them, seen them, etc. It takes only a second, but it may consciously, or perhaps subconsciously, improve how we collectively, as a species, operate in this world. Many thanks to both our guests. If you have any questions, comments, um, message, info at diplomatic.com or 
Yeah, hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat at Diplomantic. We also have a free e-newsletter sent monthly to your email. Just drop your email in the newsletter tab on the site. It's filled with uh, our original content and interesting stuff from all over the web that's relevant to the content we produce. So until next time, adore and endure. Diplomantic.